0: Everyone, it's Danielle Musto. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Girls and Gears. With me tonight is Karen Jarko, a professional yep. mountain biker <laughs> on the Pivot Psycho Santa Fe Brewing Company. Karen, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And can you can you just repeat your last name because I feel like I might have slaughtered it a bit. Yeah, that's no problem. It's um, Jarco. Okay, Jarco, uh, got it. Yep. So tonight mm-hmm. we are going to discuss what it takes to race mountain bikes on a professional level, following the dream. Karen, I think that when a lot of people hear that you race mountain bikes on a pro level, they assume that you're living the life, and in a way you are. But I also know <laughs> firsthand that it's not all first-class flights and free gear. It takes a lot of sacrifice, a lot of tears, sweat, and blood. And sometimes it's too much blood. And that's the theme of tonight's show, blood, when a Band-Aid isn't going to cover it. We are going to talk about falling hard and getting back up falling down again and then getting back up again before we go any further i'd like to invite people to call in with any questions comments or experiences you would like to share with karen and myself the number is 646-595-4113 one lucky caller will win a set of ga1 ergon grips and another will win some her chamois butter so karen Let's get started. I'm hoping you can give people a glimpse of where you came from, where you are going, and just some of the experiences that you've, um, I guess, experienced as you try to make a place for yourself at the start line.
1: Yeah. um, So my, I guess, getting into mountain bike racing was kind of uh, just by, I don't know, by accident or by default. I, I grew up in a small town in Minnesota. Never really biked or mountain biked, and, well, when I biked, it was like, you know, our gravel roads to go to your friend's house, like two farms down, or um, going to the candy store, not really um, anything competitive or real single-track mountain biking. Um, And then, let's see, after college, I moved out to Colorado for a job and was on the path to PA school, Um, so I moved out and got patient experience in a PT clinic, and while there, I met um, a friend of mine who she was about to do uh, Race Across America, and I went along with to medical crew, and it was through that that time that I was like, oh, you know, I'd really like to get more into cycling. I think I'd enjoy it. And this friend of mine had an extra mountain bike and would bring me on rides, like at you know, something like 6 o'clock in the morning every Wednesday, like the first Wednesday of the month. And that, I looked forward to it every, every month. It was it's such a great experience of, like, being out away from cars and um, just, you know, it was always a challenge of, you know, getting over rocks and roots and getting over, you know, the fear of descending, not to mention the views you got, and I was hooked right there. And she was one. Um, her name is Carrie White. Uh, she raced for Team Type One. Um, very accomplished endurance racer. She really encouraged me to just, you know, try a race. She thought I would enjoy it, and um, so I did. And I started in our Vale local town series. Which, if you have ever been to the Vale Valley and been a part of the series, it's it's uh it's kind of like world championships. <laughs> Every Wednesday night. Um, I mean, you're going against, like, we have people like Gretchen Reeves that you're looking up to and Jay Henry. And um, so that's where I started and had a really bad crash. I was your typical beginner racer that could climb really fast. And then when I was descending, I was all over the place and super timid. And I made a mistake and um, split a sage bush in half and fell on my head and got knocked out and had to get spine boarded off the course and um, it's funny you ask how to say my last name because that was the first uh, public butcher of my last name and it was Bel uh, Jarcock in uh, our local paper. <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> and uh, I've, never, I've never lived that one down locally, which is pretty funny. Um, well, I, I, yeah, it's kind of funny and. Uh, but so that was my first race experience and after that I didn't really race a whole lot that summer. And the next year I came back and still was, you know, loved mountain biking, super passionate about it and um thought, you know, well what race could I do where it would give me plenty of time to figure out what I'm doing on the mountain bike and wouldn't be like locally so if I screwed up like, you know, nobody I knew would really see or, you know, say anything or care. So I did um a, 12 hours in Mesa Verde, uh, solo race in well Mesa Verde, and that that told me too. I loved every lap and ended up doing pretty well. Um, so that kind of started my motivation to you know just keep pursuing it and keep keep racing. And you know one thing lead, led to another, um, and I started doing more races and kind of bigger races and um, which then kind of led to a move to California um, to work in a bike shop that I was going to be doing some racing alongside of managing a women's shop, which unfortunately ended up um, not being too many too much racing, but I get I got to do some and um, that year I did the level Leadville 100 and it came back and did that, and that was the one race that was that motivated me to um, come back to Colorado where, you know, where my heart was and where, you know, the mountain biking that I love was and my friends. And so it was a really short time in California. Um, so came back here and then was super stoked on, you know, really getting into riding and racing. And um, that's when I got picked up by a local women's team called Yeti Betty. They are based in Golden, Colorado and um they're really what uh helped me kind of get out there and do more races that were a bit more competitive and um you know kind of gave me an idea of, you know, if I want to be an athlete in a female mountain bike athlete, you know, what races should I be doing and um you know what does it take and what do I need to do? and you know they were they really built a really good foundation for me to work on. Um, so that year, I got my pro license, um, which was last year, and um, kind of just you know did as many races as I could and mm-hmm. and afford um, mostly cross country at that time because uh, I found out that you know the cross country racing was a bit more uh, competitive and a little bit more, and you know, it was fun because it was you know you stayed together with people a lot and it was just super intense and fast and every second counted and that was fun for me and um, so that's what I've kind of focused on since then um, and then this year I made a switch to kind of a more supported team which. Feel really lucky to be on, which is Santa Fe Brewing Company, uh, Pivot Cycles, and they've just been great. Pivot Cycles um, is super stoked on riding and just getting people out there, and you know, not necessarily the results, although you know it does help when you do have the results. But just um, being really passionate about riding and you know, getting other people out and encouraging other people to get out and ride. Uh, so I guess that's kind of the long of how I've gotten into mountain bike racing.
0: <laughs> the Pitt, um yeah. Cycles team, how many
1: people are on that team with you? So it's um, it's mainly, you know, Mackie Franklin um, is kind of the, the head honcho of the team. He um, is a full-time racer. That's, you know, pretty much what he does. And he's at most pro cheese and the big mountain enduro's and travels all over. Um, and then myself which, um, like you were saying in the beginning, how, you know, everyone thinks you live the dream as a pro racer, and the reality of it is, you know, it's, it's great, and we love it, and, you know, we don't do it for the money, um, but you still have to pay your bills. So I basically do what I can financially and what works into my schedule and my life. Um, so unfortunately, I don't race as much as Mackie, but... Um, I'm lucky that I live in Colorado, where we have such tangible, amazing races, you know, right out our back door. Um, and then one other individual, Steve Thompson. Um, he just did the Burke Epic and killed it in the Clydesdale category. Um, and he's done. He did a couple of the enduros as well. Um, but even more so, Steve um, is more. You know, he coaches and. He's you know not out there racing as much, but is still really passionate about the sport. And when he is out there, he's so great to be with, and um, you know, really fun to hang out with too. So that's our team. So
0: basically, you went from being on like an all women team to being the only woman. Is that the
1: is that the case? Yep. So that's definitely what happened. And it um, it's you know, I grew up with two older brothers, so I. I, I'm pretty comfortable around you know predominantly a male population, um, mm-hmm. but it comes with it comes with its things too where you know guys don't get certain things that a girl might you know might be nice for a girl like like jerseys for example like our jerseys were ordered all men and I mean you'd you'd understand like a men's chammy does not work necessarily for a female. Um, right. And yeah, it's just like little, little details that, you know, in the whole scheme of things, it's not a big deal, but it's, it's just like coming from an all-women's team when that's a priority to, um, you know, a mixed team it's, uh, or being the only female, it's, uh, it's, it's just kind of funny to compare. And, you know, the difference of the two teams, too, is that um, Yeti Betty is so involved in outreach. And um, a lot more is emphasized on um, their events, like the Betty Bike Bash, for example. Like last year, um, so last year I I worked the Betty Bike Bash, which was a great experience, and it was so cool to see an all-women's race and every level, um, you know, but I couldn't help but really just be itching to be out there racing when I saw all the pro girls line up and be like, well, this is such a great opportunity to – You know, when else am I going to be able to line up in an affordable race in my backyard with Georgia Gould and Heather Ermiger and these women that I've looked up to, um, you know, in the short bit that I've even understood mountain bike racing. Um, So then, you know, you go from working the event to this past year I got to race the event. And, um, you know, I mean, both is great, but I... I really enjoyed racing it, um, so it gives me so much respect for how much work goes into putting on to that putting on that race, um, and then it makes me feel really proud to be able to you know line up in the line with all those other girls that um, that are out there that day too this past year.
0: Um, I know if so you haven't checked it out yet, you should you should come out for that race. It's a great race. I would love to. How many? And sorry, Ben, did you say
1: something?
2: Yes, I did. We have oh. a caller. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, oh caller
2: number 1. <laughs> yes, we have a caller. It's Jill from Michigan and uh she I think it'll be a good transition cuz she's got a question for Karen about just getting back into it after crashing. Um okay. so yeah, so we'll get her on the air here. All right, Jill, you're on.
3: Awesome. Hey Karen, um hey, I'm calling. I I had an injury a couple months back and um mm-hmm. I I'm, I'm trying to get out and ride as much as possible. Well, what's happening is I'm a little bit afraid of um, just going at super high speeds just because I'm afraid I'm going to injure myself again. How did Mm -hmm. you mentally get over, um, I guess, like having had a bad crash and and now, you know, racing again?
1: Yeah, um, that's a really good question. There's always, you know, that transition period where you're going to be a little bit timid. um, And you just have to for me, I have to go out by myself and ride, basically. Um, my my boyfriend is also a professional racer, and, um, you know, if I go out with him, you know, you're always thinking you're not going fast enough, and you're going to even be more timid, or you're going to be pushed to go faster than you want to at that time, and, you know, your body might not just be ready for it yet. So, you know, give yourself a little bit of slack, first of all, and, you know, I don't know what your injury was, but you have to give yourself enough time to heal um, physically. And then when you're ready to get back out, um, you know, just, you know, take it easy a couple times. If it's a certain descent that kind of gets you sketched out and um, just trying to be as relaxed as you can uh, really helps. Um, So like I said, for me, like when I, after I crash and you know, I'm kind of timid and, you know, I don't really want to crash again. I make sure I get some time to myself and um, really get out and do some good rides by myself and pick up my speed at, at my own pace and nobody else's pace. Um awesome. and No critiquing or anything else from anybody else. And, it's, you know, it's, you know when you're ready, you know. Thank you.
3: What yeah. happened? Um. Well, I, I, happened? Tore my, I tore my ACL and I tore my um, meniscus. Um, But I did it playing roller derby. I didn't do it riding my bike. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, um, yeah, getting out there and riding, uh, sometimes, especially when I'm going uphill, uh, it it gets a little tender, and sometimes I worry that I'm pushing it too hard, or sometimes Mm -hmm. after I ride it gets really swollen, and then it's just super frustrating because I want to get out there and be able to ride like I used to be able to, but I just, I don't know, it feels really slow and and frustrating. Yeah,
1: well, especially, like, after an injury like that, my background's in uh, athletic training and physical therapy. So that's something that you want to, you know, you really want to work closely with your physical therapist, and um, he or she will help guide you and, you know, let you know when you're ready for a really good effort. And, you know, if it balloons up after something, you know, you're just going to have to ice it and scale it back a little bit um, if it's something like that. Unfortunately, that's, you know, that just takes some time. For your body to heal, and <laughs> I'm so impatient. I know. I, uh, I broke do. my leg once, to actually skiing, oh, and I am someone that has. This is before I even mountain bike, but I I did a little bit of road biking, and I was so impatient, and I would get so frustrated, and I knew what I should do and shouldn't do, and it was almost too bad. Like I almost knew too much because I knew what to say to the doctors to let them think I was okay. And mm-hmm. I would um, I'd tape up my leg myself and manually clip into my road bike to go for a road ride um, and then have to, like, manually clip out because I had no torsion. I couldn't, like, move my leg side to side. Oh, and wow. that set me back a whole nother year because it didn't heal properly and it created a non-union fracture. So it was basically broken for an entire year. Um and I was that's when I learned how to mountain bike and that's when I learned to rock climb and I went back to skiing um the next year and I was like, Oh, you know, my you know, my my foot kinda goes to sleep after a couple runs and you know, I don't know what's right and so I went back in and I had to have surgery like the day before Christmas that year. And oh. so if that can be a lesson at all, like really just need to be patient with injuries like that. Um oh. you don't wanna be oh. out for longer than you need to be. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, awesome. So hopefully, that, I don't know if that helps. <laughs> no, it does. It does. Thank you. It's okay,
0: cool. And and
2: I think uh, Danielle, I think Jill gets the grips. You do. You get GA one grips. <laughs> and in is, like
0: is the this Jill? Is, is this? <laughs> I'm sorry. Is this
3: what? what is that? this
2: Jill? Is this Jill Lake Superior Circle Tour Jill? It
0: is.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> you said the roller right. derby, We have like there can't be another one. So, so if oh, anybody's no. wondering, yeah,
1: busted. If, well, I,
2: um, if there's any other, or if anybody's wondering what the hell I'm talking about, so Danielle had Jill and uh, Emma who joined Jill in doing the. Lake Superior Circle Tour. And they had an interesting trip, to say the least. They met some weird people.
1: <laughs> and yep,
2: uh yep. basically they rode around Lake Superior. Um and that and, showed um, What's that?
3: Oh, I was just and we just finished Lake Ontario um back in July.
2: So. Oh geez, there's another there's another story. <laughs> I know. Well, congratu- congratulations.
0: And Karen and Jill will be That's at Ice Man, so if you come to Ice Man, <laughs> I'm trying to get Vicky Barclay and Sarah Kaufman up. We can just have a oh, big yeah. like girls and girls reunion. Yeah. yeah we'll have a girls' party. Figure
2: out when but that uh, is. so cute. if anybody if anybody wants to check that out, they can go to Mountain Bike Radio. Somebody's got the show on, but whatever. Uh, go to uh, mountainbikeradio.com. And left hand side, go to the girls and Gears page. And the April thirtieth episode uh is the one we're talking about. So uh Danielle talks with them about going around Lake Superior. So anyhow, that's it. Uh Jill, just shoot me an email, it's Ben at mountainbikeradio.com. dot com and uh we'll get you hooked up with the, the grips. Sorry, was it black or blue?
1: Yeah, you can say black or like the really pretty blue. Oh, I got the pretty blue. Good choice.
2: Cool. <laughs> All right, cool. So my just favorite. shoot me an email so I remember and we'll get you hooked up. Is there anything else? Awesome. That you had, anything else you had a question on?
3: Um, no, I was just wondering about um, mentally preparing for, for racing and stuff after the injury. So Karen answered wonderfully. That was great.
1: Cool. Well, I mean, and, too, like my injuries have been this season in itself has been like every scrape and abrasion and contusion you can think of. What you're dealing with is, is much more like you have to just, you know, it's it's more internal and it needs, your ligaments need to heal and, um, so, uh, I would stay close with your PT. Be tight with that he or she and they'll, uh, they'll get you back. Awesome. Thank you.
2: No problem. All right. Cool, Jill. Thanks. And, uh, yeah, we'll be hearing from you soon. All
0: right. All right. (laughs) See ya. Bye. Thanks,
2: Jill. Yep. All
0: right. Hi. Hi, (laughs) Karen. Hi. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> that was a good answer. I find um, any time that I fall, I, getting scared is what sets me back more. And I, I, I like how you were saying that you have to approach things at your own pace again. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because, like, taking things slower often is what makes me crash again. And then it's like, my, you know, I'll just be, like, super scared and have no confidence. So sometimes it's better I to do things on your own. Exactly. Oh.
1: Exactly. Oh. Yeah.
0: Before we um, talk about um, – I wanted to talk to you about the Breck epic because I know that mm-hmm. wasn't a race that you were hoping for. I was wondering if you could kind the of – The
1: topic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I was wondering if you could kind of give us an idea of what your life is like, um, just kind of like how you make it all work. Because I could, reading your blog, I couldn't figure out how many jobs you have
1: or what you do. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you have hit it on the nose. Um, Well, it's funny, like, the whole progression of my work, like, I came from, you know, super structured and, you know, I was going to be a physical uh, physician's assistant and, you know, that's, like, that's what you do and that's all you do to, like, oh, well, maybe I want to be an athlete in the sport that's the most unsupported financially there is. <laughs> um Yeah. So to kind of make it all work, especially being so new at it, um, I mean, I'm very fortunate to have the sponsors I do, um, but I don't get a paycheck, and um, I, I do work a lot of flexible jobs in order for me to try to train as much as somebody that um, kind of gets a paycheck, uh, which is impossible, I feel, but, you know, I, I keep trying. <laughs> um, so right now what I do is um, I work for... A friend of mine, uh, Mike McCormick, who also puts on the Bruck Epic, Uh, he put on the Firebird. Um, So I would be absolutely lost without him because he he gets it. He understands the the industry. Um, He sees potential in me, which is so, you know, motivating and just it's really special to find someone like that that kind of, you know, sees your worth and wants to support you that way. Um so, I work very flexible hours with him helping with his p r company as well as um i watch his kids. um so that's kind of my most standard job um and then I do you know everything from babysitting to house sitting to dog sitting um i when I was in california i i was in touch with um uh, a touring company cycling touring company so anytime they're out here they're out here right now um, for the pro tour um, so if they need an extra hand on something or an extra rider to ride with their clients uh, I go and do that for them um, I'm kind of a Jill of all trades kind of work I piece it together day by day basically sometimes if I'm lucky week by week um, <laughs> and that comes with it you know it's It's really great because I can be very flexible, but it's really difficult to um, have consistency and reliability of, you know, cash flow to pay your bills and all of that. Um, So it's kind of a double-edged sword um, what I do. And, you know, I go back and forth all the time, especially when I go through slumps of, like, bad races and bad crashes and just frustrations of, like, you know, is this worth it? Can I do this for this much longer? Should I go back to something more reliable? You know, and, and somehow I always pull myself out of it and go ride my bike and think that, oh, it's all going to work out. (laughs) You know, something will come together. Like, you know, I get a call for another job randomly that will help me make ends meet for that month or, or what, you know, I wouldn't recommend that lifestyle for anybody. And it probably gives my father a heart attack, uh, you know, like, Anxiety all the time, uh, worrying about me, but um, but for now it works, and um, you know where it could lead, you never know, and I'm always open to new opportunities. Um But ultimately, you know, I do want to be out there riding and racing, at all possible, <laughs> whatever is possible. With that, and, I hear you, know, you. I mean, you understand. There's no, there's no, there's no support for unless you're. Georgia Gould or uh you know, I mean the Lunatics is pretty much the 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 best US women's team, but that means you have to be like, you know, top five cross country in every race almost. Naked. Oh yeah. And it's kind of impossible and, and when you, you look at what it takes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and
0: I and I know I, I know I'm so lucky and I appreciate my sponsors so much. Like they are mm-hmm. so awesome and this past yeah. weekend, I was um, at QBP, which, like, house salsa and laser helmets and everything, and I was like, I found mm-hmm. the perfect job there. I was like, I want to be your dog walker. Yeah.
1: <laughs> totally. <laughs> See, and I just watched yeah. their children, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It all works out somehow. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I did some yeah. dog sitting yeah. this summer, too, because I was like, that's the perfect way to get training in and pay for races, yeah. but. I was like walking the dogs constantly, so then when I would try to yeah. do my workouts, I would tell my coach like I feel like my legs are gonna fall off. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's because you just went for a five mile hike with two dogs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it takes some balance for sure. I've learned you can. Uh, so I walk dogs sometimes on my bike. Um, okay. Like some people have the the leashes that go around your waist, so you you don't get tugged by them as as much on the handlebar.
0: mhm-.
1: Um and that works, really, and that well works really well for for me. me. Sure. <laughs> oh yeah. But even watching kids gets exhausting. I can't. I can't even imagine what it would be like being like Barry Anderson, like Barry Anderson, or, someone Anderson or someone who has, someone has children, children and, and, still, kills and kills still kills it on the bike. The bike. I mean, they take so much energy out of you. <laughs> I don't and know I love how they things, do it either. But, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I do. I
0: do. Um. All right, let's just get to the Breck Epic and talk about it. This was a race that, and this is just kind of going back to, like, talking about the highs and, like, lows of racing. Um, The Breck Epic, this was your second year of doing it.
1: Yeah, it's like the um, black cloud of racing for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and last year, I mean, that was your first experience with the stage race, wasn't it?
1: Yep, that was my first. Well, last year was my My first first year, like, just. Like racing at the pro, level, yeah, in pro level in general okay and stage racing definitely for sure yeah. is my first experience okay well let's just talk
0: a little bit about last year first of all like what i mean was it overwhelming or what happened the, you know your first year of doing the Breck epic um you know i don't know
1: it's, it's a you know overwhelming per se i mean i guess it's overwhelming hey, for everybody hey guys
2: uh-huh. I'm, I'm going to cut in for a second. Somebody, it sounds like somebody. We're getting some feedback. I don't know if you guys hear that. Mhm. Um, but mm-hmm. one of you, does one of you have the the page open? Nope. Like the link? I'm not. No. Sure. Okay. Nope. Karen, you don't have your computer open or anything? Might you just no, might just be your phone? I'm not. I haven't figured it out yet. So. Well, I you have like my hands
1: creeping on.
2: Yeah, you sound fine now.
1: Maybe maybe it's you, Ben.
2: It might be me. (laughs) I'm going away. Sorry. But I just want to remind people, um, if they want to call in and share an experience once you get to start talking about the Breck Epic, we have two more uh, things of uh, the chamois butter. So call in, you can win. Or you can get them, rather. It's not really winning. You just call in and do it. Yeah, it's not
1: just uh, chamois butter. It's her chamois butter.
2: Sorry, it's yep. her chamois brother.
1: Shanty. Yeah. So it's <laughs> pH, pH balance for a, a woman's
2: need. And strong stay enough better, for a guy? balance for a woman? smells much up? better
1: than Jeff's shanty, <laughs> shanty better. <laughs> right.
2: All right, I'll 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 pitch out on that one. So.
1: Okay. <laughs> so
0: back uh, to the Breck epic. Um, yeah. Do you want to – Okay, your... just give us an overview of the race. It's six days long, right?
1: So it's – the race is six days, and the distances are, you know, just like a tad longer than your typical cross-country distance. Um, So depending on who you are, it really looks at like, you know, I mean, this year the times are ridiculous, like when Todd Wells was there. So it's like you're looking at two and a half to five hours, potentially even like six or seven hours on your bike every day um, for six days. And it's in Breckenridge – you start and finish in Breck every day, which, um, just learning about other stage races, that's pretty atypical and actually kind of a luxury. Um, so you don't have to tent it. You can stay in the same condo. Um, and you're never really riding the same trail twice either. Um, Breckenridge sits like right around 10,000 feet. So you're riding anywhere from, or it's like, I it's like nine five or not really either nine or 10,000 feet, and then you're climbing up above 12,000 feet some days, some days twice above 12,000 feet. Um, so it, you know, it's a race of recovery, I've learned. <laughs> um, racing at altitude at that, um, just that repetitive, like, beat down, who can recover the fastest, who can race most consistently, who can, you know, still be fast and not be redlining. Um, so last year going into it, I, you know, I went into it completely blind as a novice and just excited about it. Um, But, uh, and, you know, I was still placing pretty well. I was on, I was on the podium both days, but I was in it for the full. Um, The second day was, I think anybody that was at the Breck Epic that year remembers that day so well. And it poured freezing rain, like, the entire day. And it was to the point where, like, you couldn't even shift. Like, I was shifting with my wrist. I just wanted to climb the rest of the day. Um, uh, Yolandi Dutois from South Africa was consistently in second, and that day she had um, a mechanical. And I feel like if you got a mechanical on that day, it kind of took much longer to uh, get back into it just because you're, you have, like, no dexterity, and I can't imagine fixing a flat that day. Um, so I was lucky enough to, you know, have no mechanicals that day and, you know, I was behind Amanda Carey, still by, you know, considerable amount behind Amanda Carey. Um mm-hmm. But I was, you know, I was stoked every day and I was super into it and having a great time. Um, but the third day the morning, so it's hard in the morning to eat because um, you're, I'm, you know what it's like after like a morning of a race, like you can have eggs and rice basically. Um, and you're right. kind of choking it down almost. Um, mm-hmm. And I was afraid I wasn't eating enough each day. Um, so I was staying in a teammate's house, and I was like, well, maybe I should have a smoothie or, like, something in the morning, a little bit more, you know, liquid-based. And I have um, a bad reaction to uh, gluten or dairy, and um, it's completely my own fault for not double-checking what was in the smoothie. Um, but he gave me a mix, and Jeff made a smoothie for me, which he was amazing the whole week, like it was so nice to have he took care of my bike he um you know he knows that race so well, so he was helping me each day as to like where things were and what to be aware of and that was really nice um, so he made me breakfast that morning and made the smoothie and um I threw up before the stage, and I was like, it's never really happened, but I thought you know, well, maybe I'm kind of nervous, maybe it's just nerves, because, you know, I was third the first day, second the second day, and maybe I'm, like, maybe I'm just nervous. And um, so I didn't think anything of it and just, you know, had to, you know, drink a lot of water and then go to the start, Had a gel to start, um, you know, about 10 minutes into the first climb, pulled over, threw up another, you know, five minutes climbing, had to pull over dry heaving, you know, it just was, like, repetitive of, like, happening, happening. And I was like, man, this is like this has never happened to me. This is ridiculous. I feel like crap. Um and Mike, the organizer, um, was up there at the at the the crest of the first climb and I was just a wreck. Like I can't imagine what I look like. And I he basically told me I was done. <laughs> um which I'm sure was the best decision. Um, but it's never easy looking back at it, and you're like, oh man, like, you know, I could have kept going or whatever. But ultimately, it was the best decision for my body. And you know, he's just his—he's looking out for everybody when he's out there. He wants everyone just to have a clean race and enjoy themselves. And I was obviously a wreck. Um, and so I was out and went down, but I talked him into letting me at least like go down the first descent to the first aid station. And mm-hmm. then that's where some people were that I was that I knew. And then um, Daniel Dunn, he's a local photographer. He gave me a ride back, and I went to the uh, the condo of my friend's house I was staying at, and I was like, oh, maybe you know. The only thing different I have was that smoothie. So I went back and I looked at the ingredients, and the first ingredient on the back was milk, which is pretty comical if you think about it now. But at the time, I was so angry with myself just that I wasn't. I wasn't alert enough to, you know, check everything and be on top of it, and basically shoot myself in my own foot. Um, right. But, but so you know, slept through the whole day, stayed, you know, somewhat, uh, you know, alive that day, and then um, felt, you know, decent. But then realized I was, you know, I didn't really understand the rules of a stage race either. If you don't complete a whole day, you're you're completely out of contention. Um, so I, I had the week off, so I just, you know, stayed up there and chilled and rode and, um, you know, cheered for friends and, um, mm-hmm. wanted to ride the other stages though just to see what they were like. So I rode the rest of the week on all the stages, um, mm-hmm. but after everybody had passed and not, at a, not in like the race at all, um, so I knew what it was going to be. So I was like, oh, I'm going to come back next year. I definitely want to finish this and, so that came to this year, and, um, like, I feel like between last year and this year, like, I've made just, like, a leap in um, fitness and the level I'm racing at, and um, I I kind of, I started working with Carmichael training system, and, I mean, they obviously know what they're doing because, like, I've taken chunks of time off of, you know, local climbs and and racing with women that I never thought I could be. And so for that, I'm, it's really cool and like motivating and exciting. And, uh, so I was, you know, I felt really ready going into the epic. Like I, I live close to Breckenridge. Um, I, you know, knew all the stages fairly well and, you know, can handle riding at altitude. Um, knew the descent, you know, enough to, did not feel like something was going to surprise me and um, I was ready. I was really excited and, um, but that leads me to, you know, all the crap that's happened the past month, um, which uh, is not really fun to talk about, but I feel like as a female athlete, I'm now learning it's more common than what we put on and nobody wants to talk about it because it's kind of embarrassing, but, um, you know, as, as females, we have to deal with other things outside of just racing. Like, we have, um, obviously every month we're just like super hormonal and we have to learn how to balance that out. And, um, I've always had issues, um, every month around my period, I get really bad symptoms for, it takes me out of riding or anything for like a day and a half. And I've been able to kind of manage it. Um, but I knew it was gonna happen the first day of the epic. Um, and I was like, Oh great like <laughs> like what what am I supposed to do and like Yeah, that's like, that's not drop. fair. <laughs> well, I mean it's, there's there's no fairness. You know, it's it's not a matter know. of it being fair or not. It's just like well it sucks, that's the only thing. It's like it's um but it you know so that actually, because I've always just dealt with it, and um, that made me actually go into my doctor more and be like, well, these symptoms are happening, and and then you realize that that's actually not really normal, so then you realize, well, I should probably be proactive about this. So about a month before the epic, um, my doctor kind of figured out that I have what's called endometriosis, um, which is... I guess any ma- man that's listening can start not listening if they don't want to hear the word uterus <laughs> but uh um it's when it's when cells of your uterus uh, grow in other places outside your uterus, so when you have your period and um have those symptoms, they are exasperated um, in other areas um so like you know, I would have flu-like symptoms every month with a fever. Um, you know, I had to stay close to the bathroom. Just, like, you know, not, not ideal things for a stage race. Um, so going into it, I already kind of knew I was going to be screwed. Um But I wanted to prepare anyway as well as I could. And um, there are preventative, preventative things that my doctor said I could try to help symptoms. So I did those things, and I had an IUD put in. And what the doctors didn't say is that you could also take a while to normalize um, getting this put in. And lucky me, I'm one of the few that reacts badly and had a month-long period, basically, (laughs) which is great for everybody, especially Jeff having to deal with that, too. And, you know, highs and lows and just all over the place and, you know, some days feeling sick and some days feeling fine. Um, but like, you know, the, the few days before the epic, you know, I thought I was feeling really good. And, you know, I think you get to a point where you're just, you're so set on something as leading up to an event that you're like, I'm going to do it. I don't care what it is. Like, I will do it with no foot. <laughs> you kind of just, you become, immortal in your own mind, almost, and uh, think this is okay, Um, which, looking back, I'm sure I probably shouldn't have even done it, but whatever, you know, you learn, and um, so I lined up, you know, the first day, and it was, you know, I actually felt really good for an hour, hour and a half, Um, and, like, was bleeding, and never redlined, and never hurt, and like stayed within my goals that whole day and and then like we came up to a pretty substantial climb that I've never liked. It's called uh, Little French Gulch. Um it's in every race in Breckenridge and you can never get around it. It's just it gets, it's high altitude, it's loose, field fieldish like climbing and I've only cleared it once. Like I'm always off my bike hiking the little last section and I knew like I had a scale back there. Um <laughs> Like, thinking, like, if I'm doing a six-day stage race, I never really want to get in the red. So I started feeling back there, and I also started not feeling very great there as well. There's, you know, cramping and, you know, really embarrassing heavy bleeding and just not having a good time. Um, and that's when Sue Haywood caught me and uh, Kate Ardell, uh from Canada and um, shortly after um, Amanda Carey. And after that, I was like, you know, sitting in fourth is not a bad position, like, six days, you'll pull through, you'll start feeling good, and I didn't. I did not feel good the rest of the stage, and just kind of stayed within myself, and within my own pace, and um, finished with, uh, I think it was five and a half minutes back off the first place, So I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm still in it, it's fine, and, you know, that wasn't terrible, feeling crappy, like, I could probably do it again, and... So lined up the next day, and um, you know, again, felt good for the first hour, and then the wheels just fall off, and this time they fell off and didn't come back at all, even continue, and um, it was just it was not fun. Not you know, I felt like I was gonna be out there forever. For how many times I had to pull over into the woods and go to the bathroom and. <laughs> You know it's embarrassing, and it's just like you don't even feel like you're racing at that point, and it you know you feel like you need to be sleeping and you know next to a bucket if you have to throw up almost and um, you know I feel like my body was screaming no, and um so I pulled out, and it sucks a lot um, but I think that's the hardest thing as an athlete is to know when to stop. Um and not really care about having to deal with the backlash of like, oh well, you know, I was sick during a six day stage race and, you know, I race every day and I finished and you know, those things you have to just not think about and just be good to your body and and learn from it. And uh well this sucks, but that's the whole direct ethics debacle. <laughs> of this year <laughs> and last year. So, will
0: you be going back next
1: year? Oh, man. Uh, I want to, yes. Um, okay. Yeah, I definitely do. I, I have a good our good friend, Kyle Stamp, um, lives in Breckenridge and for um, so the rest of the week, I, oh, so I didn't say the rest of the week. So I felt crappy the rest of the day and, you know, was Hey,
2: out, can, I, can I just quick can I quickly jump yeah. in before we talk about the rest uh-huh. of the week?
1: Uh-huh. You know,
2: I, I know there's been people like first I give you a huge props for, you know, first of all writing up your you know, on your website and then okay. talking about that. Um but yeah, if I anybody wants to contact about. you, if any any women out there or any guys even, if that's still listened after the uterus.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you
2: know, I have a pregnant wife and I'm I hear this stuff all the time. Um but you know if anybody wants to you know contact you dire- directly or shoot me an email i can send it you know i can get you their email address whatever how what's your email address how do they contact you
1: yeah um so it's just karen k a r e n dot j a r h o w at gmail dot com and that's okay, one cool. thing too after after writing that and after you know you know be, being a um you know, a sponsored athlete, you you do put yourself out there so much, and, um, you know, writing that and talking about this is not easy, but after writing that, I was so surprised how many women did contact me and was like, oh my gosh, me too, or I can't believe you even lined up, or, you know, I'm having the same same symptoms, what do I do? Like, it's not something you should really be embarrassed about, and, um, like, should you be talking about this so openly? I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, because whatever. If you need someone <laughs> to talk about it,
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> you can, yeah, feel free to email me. Um, you know, obviously, I've been through it and going through it and pretty comfortable about it. So if you need someone to talk to or someone just bounce some ideas off of, those, like, what your options are, um, feel free to contact me. Mm-hmm.
2: Cool. Right. So, so oh. I just wanted to get in there and... You know, mention that. Yeah. So, if, you know, anybody was uncomfortable, you know, talking to other people. You're, and they're in your situation. They can, they can email you. So, all right. Yeah. Sorry. Rest, rest of the week. Thanks. It was much better. You were <laughs> up with the gang, beers, <laughs> and all, fear. And all of stuff. So, all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so the
1: rest of the, the next day. Well, uh, I, so I was thinking about the past few days, and I was like, well, the pattern is, I'm really good for like an hour and a half. Hour to hour and a half, and then everything goes to hell, you know. I have the week mm-hmm. the week off work. I'm not just gonna sit around and feel sorry for myself. So I was like, I'm gonna go do our local cross country race. <laughs> so we have, um, <laughs> you know, our town series cross country race, and well, it was so frustrating too because I've been like on and off sick for a month, but I hadn't really, I hadn't really raced for a month leading up to the epic, and I mean, you know what it's like as an athlete, like. You just have so much, like, you're jones so much to just get out there and, like, let off so much energy. If you don't do that on a regular basis, like, I just had a lot of, like, pent-up energy I needed to, like, let out. And I thought a cross-country race would be ideal because it's it's time period is in which that, like, I feel decent. Um, so I traveled over to – I went home, back to my home in Eagle, Colorado. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next day, we ha- our town period race was in Camp Hale. Um, which is kind of between Minturn, Colorado, and Leadville, um, and was, you know, was excited about it and knew it was going to be, you know, an hour 15, hour 20 effort, and um, and went and started, and it was like a road-like race. Um, so we got going, and it was, you know, it was Gretchen Pre- Pre- and I and Gretchen Reeves and myself um and it was like nobody was really going at the start. So I went and took the first pole, and then she took the next pole. And then another woman who we raced with locally, Andy, um, who is a POC rep, um, she is super strong. She took the next pole, and uh, we kind of sat in for a good portion of the road with her. And then just went to single track, um, stretching that around, and I was right behind her. And we went into the single track wheel to wheel um created a very small gap with Andy, but I I was, you know, probably following direction a little too close, and somehow, I mean, we were, my garment had read we were going 15 miles per hour, um, and I clipped a pedal on some rock. I, it must have been, like, the only rock for, like, miles, because I'm still, you know, confused as to how it happened. And what it Andy, the woman behind me, had told me, so after I clipped the rock, it had set, it set me five feet in the air. And I landed straight down on my, you know, um, coincidentally enough, my pock helmet. <laughs> um, and um, I was, you know, pretty shaken and kind of confused. And both the ladies stopped to see if I was okay. You know, I told them just to keep going. But I hit my head fairly hard and took myself out of the race. And just, you know, at that point was every emotion possible of just, like, what am I doing? Like, can I finish a race and you know, frustrated and angry at myself and, you know, how do I make such a silly mistake? And, you know, limping myself back to my car bloody and whatever and like not really even caring about that, just still just like so frustrated in the moment and and uh you know, go back to the start. And Larry Grossman, who's uh, a local announcer and a friend of our area, was announcing that night and he's he was just like, you know, I'm, he felt so bad, which was so nice seeing such like support from Larry. Um, but at that point I was like, I'm just going home. Like, <laughs> like usually I like to like hang out and like go socialize afterwards. But I was just at a point where I was just like, I was so over it. I'm so over of crashing and like being sick and just wanted to go. And, uh, so the rest of my week was mostly just um, trying to just have fun. And um, I hiked up Wheeler Pass and cheered on people of Epic. And Jeff was still racing with Yuki, and they did so well. And it was fun to be there for them. And uh, and the next day, we did a, a beer feed on top of Boreas Pass. And, you know, that's always fun, uh, especially when Todd Wells, Todd comes over and like the lead pack of men and like beckons you over for for a beer for a PBR feed, uh, which I thought was pretty comical. Um, so it's, it was good. It was good perspective of like being outside the race and not in the race and you know being there to support friends as I would want support to if I was actually racing. And um, so that that was my you know extremely high and low week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, when you started telling me about the story of going and doing a cross-country race, I was really like, yeah, it's always good to just jump back in. And I wasn't expecting the turn. <laughs> I What's that? What you get? like that. I've had times like that, too, where you just, like, constantly are just, like, falling on the ground. And it's like, yeah. oh, when is this going to turn around? And it always does. And sometimes, like you said, just going for a race and hanging out is the best thing. Mm-hmm. And kind of just seeing, like, the other side of things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes sometimes it's really
1: hard, though, because you're sitting there and you're like, oh, man, you know, I want to be out there. I, I, you know, sometimes it's hard to watch, but I find it's the best for me to be out there watching. You know what
0: um, races I can go to and watch, and like I never want to go and do them is triathlons. Like whenever, it's, like that's the best race for me to go to because I'll see people like standing and shivering in the morning and having to <laughs> jump in the water, and I'm like, yep, this is okay. I get the race by, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't I have
1: to do that right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. For me, it's more like it's still it's so motivating for me to like. I mean, it's so e- it would be so easy for me to be like oh, my gosh, my second half of the season has been so crappy. I have, you know, been crashing here and there and just not doing well. And to just say, it's too hard. I can't do it. I don't want to do it anymore. That would be really easy, right? Like get a desk job and, and you know, work the 9 to 5 and have the 401K. But, you know, being out there and supporting your friends and seeing them and how much fun it is, it keeps me motivated to, like, no, I'm going to – I'm gonna get back out there, and you know I'll be out there when I'm ready. And you know it's I have to remember it's my second year racing as a pro. Like I can't beat myself up too much, and um, I have many more years ahead of me. That's why I'm continually telling myself. <laughs> um, and uh, and yeah, you just have to you have to keep doing it because if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it now, not you know ten years from now. Um, Ten years from now, I can get it done. Because
0: I was just going to say, I think like bad races make good races that much better.
1: So then, when you have a good Um, race, you're like, yes, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. No, Um, I like it makes me appreciate my first part of my season so much. Like I had, I had the best start of the season I could ever ask for. Like racing with women that I've never thought I could race with before, Um, even like you know, coming in before some women that I've never thought I could ever beat before. Uh So it just makes you so much more grateful for that and to see what your potential is and know, you know, you're going to get there again. Like, everybody has setbacks. Um But, not you know, it's just it's what you do with those setbacks. Like, you can either succumb to them and let them take over or, you know, you can get back out there and say, you know, F you, I'm going to do this. <laughs>
0: so it's, oh, yeah. you know, it's how you handle it. <laughs> In your blog, um, I was reading through your post. You wrote that you have an ongoing feeling that you're worth more to the world racing than having uh, two kids and a white picket fence.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. Oh, cool.
0: <laughs> well, you understand I what it's like growing up in the Midwest. The like,
1: yeah, I don't know. I'm from a really small town, so it's um, it's it's hard for people to understand sometimes what I'm doing, and it's hard. Um, I mean, it's hard for anyone to see anyone living their life not uh, to achieve what they think they should be doing, you know? Like, um, but, you, I don't know, you just have to live live your life and, you know, figure out what makes you happy and um, what makes the people around you happy actually more, more so and um, just keep doing it. Do you have
0: any other plans for this year? Are you going to be going to interbreak to talk to sponsors, or
1: yeah? So More, um, yeah, this I'm I'm kind of really planning on doing the Grand Junction off road, which um, is Labor Day weekend in Grand Junction, um, and it's put on by Todd Saito, who puts on the whiskey off road or the, the whiskey fifty. Um, same format. Like Friday is going to be a fat tire crit. And then Sunday is a a 40-mile race, Um, pretty technical. Uh, Grand Junction is super chunky, and um, I love riding Grand Junction. It's really fun. So I think that's uh, what I will do next. Um, And then um, I will be at Interbike more than likely. Um, I would love to, to race Cross Vegas, I've only done a couple cross races on my um, on my mountain bike, and I've always enjoyed mm-hmm. them. Um, and Pivot just came out with a new cross bike called the Vault, um, so trying to work details out just to see if that's possible. Because um, interbike interbike is uh, it's so hot and it's long, and it's it's cool to see all the new things and everything. But I went last year for the whole week and. It was a little bit much for me. Um, so I think it would be so much more fun to go this year and, like, go race and then uh, spend a couple days at the expo because um, it's Vegas. I mean, it's it's dirty. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to leave the mountains that time because it's, like, it's such primo time here for, you know, fall colors and trail conditions. And, um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll, I want to go there. Um, Pivot just came out with some really cool things for 2014, so I want to check out. Um, a couple of their 650B bikes, and um, they're such great people. I love to just go see them, and it's you know interbike's a great time too, just to um, put faces to the names that you see in emails, and um, be able to say thank you to a lot of people. So, yeah, I'll be there. And I, I'll be there. there so, so oh, we'll, we'll be able
0: to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, anyways, you, I think we're almost out yeah of time. But I Aww. think that we're gonna to get to
1: Karen part
2: two at some point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, nobody, so got we have butter. Butter. Nobody, nobody got the cami I butter. Nobody and I was gonna and I was gonna in there too I was gonna say the same thing as you, Daniel. Mm-hmm. Um but let's do this. Let's uh how, how about uh Karen, what's the Santa Fe uh, team page? Facebook page. Um, it's just Santa Fe Brewing Pivot Cycles. Okay, so, so the first two people, let's say, uh, first people leave a comment on there, get, uh, get a, a tube of, uh, the chamois butter. Perfect. How's
1: that? Perfect. Yeah, we like that. All
2: right. They better hurry too,
0: because I'm going to be on that page. I want to try cham- <laughs> oh, oh, to the chamois. Oh, go to the Pivot anyone. Cycles. Uh, <laughs>
2: sorry, Santa Fe Brewing Pivot Cycles, uh, Facebook page, comment, and you could get a, a thing of chamois butter. So we have, like, a few seconds left. I want to thank you both, and everyone else in. Stay tuned for next session.